On this episode of Resi Week, we talk CD Expo 2018 wrap-up, pounding the pavement, and RMR for reps. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 136, CD Wrap-Up. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Jeremy. Jeremy Glowacki. He is the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm uh, decompressing from a nice trip to Cedia Expo and uh, it was a good time. It was a bit invigorating, but then you're exhausted after you get back, trying to get back <laughs> to, to work after no time off. So that is the the really tough part about a Saturday show, right? Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. And last but not least, we have my good friend Ken Eagle. He is the director of training at at Lona. How are you, sir? Man, I am great. Uh, happy to be back. My feet are killing me still from Celia, <laughs> trying to get the voice back. But yeah, happy. Had a great week, man. It was a good time. We're we're all going to be a little. Uh, mellow in our, our vocal range today because we've been talking for the last four days. So speaking of CDA, let's jump right into CD Expo. Uh, we don't really have a specific story on this uh, because they haven't announced all the uh, fun things like attendance and all that jazz. Um, but gentlemen, I wanted to get both of your uh, kind of overview thoughts first, and then we'll jump into some trends first. So Jeremy, I know you were you know, covering the show kind of like we were and, and pounding the, the extremely wide carpeted aisles to visit as many booths as possible. What were your overall reactions uh, to the first Emerald Expositions version of CD Expo? Well, um, you know, I, I really tried to forget about the whole Emerald part of the story just because I'm there to get business done. And I felt like the energy was really strong the first day. I thought it was a busy show. I felt good to be there. There have been times I've been at a show during a economic downturn and it just feels like a ghost town and you feel like the industry is kind of kind of on the downswing or that trade shows don't matter anymore. Or people just don't need them. But I felt like this was a vibrant show and I'm not going to credit Emerald with anything, frankly. I'm just going to say that it's a good time in our industry where the economy is going well. Now, I heard a couple of people say, um, that their booth traffic was light the second day. Uh, I think it depended on where you were. It's a really long hallway, this hall, hallway, it's a hall, um, very long convention hall. And I think if you're, you know, a flow of people got sort of stuck at one end, it may take a while for that flow of humanity to actually get to the other side. And, um, but generally I think that it felt like a Cedia town and San Diego is a pretty big downtown and, you got a lot of people around that you could see that were familiar. It wasn't uh, um, at all a lightly attended event, um, despite what rumors maybe of lower lower attendance overall. I have no idea. It looked like a good show to me. 
Very good. Ken, you were obviously in a manufacturer's booth the majority of the show, but I'm sure you got around a little bit. What were your first takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it's it's CDS. So for me, it, that's the most exciting show. Uh, that's where my, my passion's on the resi side. And so I love going to the show over all the other industry shows. So uh, I don't think it let down. Um, it was exciting. There were definitely a couple of a big, I felt, theme takeaways. I really felt like video was a big winner for this show. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the big display manufacturers like Sony, Samsung, LG, I made it down that way a few times, and their booths always seemed really packed. I thought the uh, projector manufacturers looked really good too. Uh, digital projection, Sony, Barco, Epson, um, gorgeous displays. I think this was a, a big step up for video and for HDR. I think it looked really good at this show this year. Um, to Jeremy's point, um, uh, uh, the way that the hall is laid out, right, it is kind of long and narrow, and it did feel like a lot of traffic stuck on one end, kind of what I would call the video end mm-hmm. of the hall. At Lona, my company, we were located in the middle. So it, it felt like a lot of traffic to one side. It felt a little lighter to the other side. Obviously, it ebbed and flowed throughout the day. Um, the other side of the hall seemed to be maybe a few more do-it-yourself kind of brands mixed into yeah. there. Um, I don't know in the future, maybe if there's, there's a way to intermix that a little better so you spread the traffic out. Um, but going back to video, I thought that um, Screen Innovations had a, a real attractive booth and looked like they had some pretty good traffic too. Very good. Jeremy, I do want to ask you this uh, as far as the trend wise. What was the, Ken seemed to really focus on the video side of it. That, that was kind of his overarching trend. What was your overarching trend? Well, I mean, more, more targeted individual things I observed, I guess. Um, I, I, I would definitely say that the video aspect was great. And that's amazing because remember when we, there was, there were a couple of years where there was nothing from a mm-hmm. video company and it was turning into a gadget show or a behind the scenes, you know, solution show. And it was a really boring show. I mean, frankly, these are things <laughs> you need, but to walk around, there was no visual eye candy. Now there's tons of that stuff. And with 8K sort of pushing the envelope in terms of where they're going with, with technology, it's, it's making them work a little harder again. Um, and pictures don't always look great because they're still trying to figure out how to make 8K show up on a screen. But every now and then you see like a digital projection, you're like, holy cow, that is beautiful. And I finally saw Samsung's The Wall Mm-hmm. in person because yeah. I didn't go to CES and I was blown away by that. I didn't expect what I saw. I mean, it was just like that. Better. That was cool. My, my eyes started to tune in a little bit. I started to see the panels and I understood what was going on after I was initially, but I mean, generally that's going to work amazingly. Lutron's tunable white demo. That was yeah, so Ketra. cool. Ketra. Yeah. They're, they're, they acquired Ketra a year ago and they were finally able to show what I've been talking about, what I've been reading about this tunable white, this human centric lighting thing. And they do a one minute demo where it's basically the sun going through that cycle in one minute quickly. So your eyes kind of, your brain kind of freaks out because you feel that warm noonday sun and the warmth as it goes toward the afternoon. And it kind of plays, tricks your mind a little bit. And then lastly, I think the power side of the story, which is kind of a forgotten category sometimes and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily power management or surge protection but like the battery backups and all of that sonin that company that's doing big generator products mm-hmm. um savant's doing that as well um you've got obviously um 
other other brands that are working in that category. Rosewater has been doing it for a while, and it's an expensive proposition, but it's like getting off the grid, to at least temporarily, being able to work with lengthy power outages. And I think that there's a lot there to be explored and an opportunity for integrators to, to make money in a different category that they're not currently in. Very good. Yeah. Thank you for a stealing all of my uh, big hits because those, those were mine. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I would say probably the, the biggest thing that I noticed everyone talking about was uh, video over IP. Um, obviously Lona has an amazing demo with uh, HDR and Dolby vision. Yeah. Um, which that was a fan. We, we got to talk to um, I'm blanking on his name right Nick. now. Yeah. Nick. We talked to Nick. Thank you. Um, and, and that that's revolutionary in the way in which you guys are, are managing that. And then of course, Samsung with the wall, which I, I've seen a couple of times and have interviewed them about, uh, but also their, their 8k display panels. Um, I can't tell you how much they're going to be, but I, I, I know, <laughs> and it, it's, it's shocking, um, where they're going to come in with the AI that they're doing and, and the machine learning to where you'll be able to, you know, watch something that you've upconverted to 8k today and then pot- uh, potentially in the perfect world, watch it again in a month and it'll have that potential to look better because their AI has gotten better and those algorithms are changing and being updated. Uh, I, I found that to be utterly f- fascinating, um, the way in which they did that, because they, they gave us more information about how they're doing it uh, than they could at uh, Infocom uh, when we first saw the, the commercial version of that. And of course, everybody knows I'm a big lighting and Lutron type guy. Uh, and that catcher demo was fantastic. It was one of the interviews that we snuck into our schedule because I wanted to be able to capture it on camera, not just talk to a PR person about it, but actually get somebody in there and show it on video. Cause the Jeremy, you didn't get into this aspect of it too. Um, but one of the things they did in that demo, which you'll see when we post our, our, our interview from it is they highlighted a bouquet of flowers as well as a painting. And in changing the wavelength of the the LED fixture that's that's highlighting that bouquet, they were able to change the saturation and the 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 color spectrum that's shining on it without having a perceived color change in the light fixture, which is the big thing. It's very easy to, you know, in stage lighting, for example, throw a different color light on the stage and evoke an emotion. But on a a device and a and a and a you know a, a bouquet in this case to change the wavelength so there's no discernible change in color temperature or color output, but have that actually change was incredibly fascinating to me. Was, yeah, I forgot about that. That was that was awesome. And so, yeah. you know, equally with the artwork, I think they were sort of pitching it as trying to replicate the kind of color temperature that would be in the place where that painting may have been painted or something like that. Which, mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know how you figure that out, but you know, <laughs> you know, French color lighting, you know, something like that. But it's like anything you go through any, you know, good museum and they're lighting things within the museum to make those, those paintings or those sculptures pop. Um, this is that opportunity. Like we've been doing this and this is a tenant of, you know, lighting design. Um, 
to, to highlight the things that you want to highlight. Uh, but the way in which with tunable light, you could start to do this is, is really fascinating to me. And there were a couple manufacturers showing, um, Lumistream was one uh, who, who also were showing low voltage LED with warm dimming and, and you know, daylight cycle, cycling essentially, um, circadian rhythm. Uh, so that if you're working a night shift, you can actually get your lights to uh, r- represent the sun uh, so that it's easier to live when you're on that night shift. It, it's, it's fascinating things. And it's something that's really going to push us forward. The, uh, the last thing that I'll mention before we get back to you guys, as I've now taken the majority of the opener, because that's what I do. It's my show. I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> uh, I did get a moment to speak with uh, Charlie Kindle, who came to Control 4 from Amazon. And that was a really, it was very interesting talking to someone who's, who's come from, you know, essentially big tech into our channel. Uh, it was really insightful, some of the things that he was saying, and, and very encouraging uh, to hear what he was saying about the channel, again, having not grown up in this channel. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, gentlemen, let's go on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems and our friend Todd Anthony Puma pounding the pavement to drum up business throughout this article. Uh, Todd goes over a couple of things that, you know, he, he talks about uh, that he used to do when he first got into business, when he first started, you know, those highly annoying things like stopping someone on the street with a nice car and giving them a business card. Uh, things like, you know, talking to doorman because he's in he's in New York, uh, talking to doorman, talking about referrals, really, you know, going out there and hustling uh, to to promote his business. And, and, and again, how that's something that you get busy and you get away with or, or get away from. Ken, I wanted to start with you on this. Obviously, he hit, Todd hit some really key points with this. I know even just from my own company, as well as all the people I talk to, this is a trap that a lot of us fall into. We get really busy with day-to-day work and we, we stop going out there and, and, and trying to find new work. We, we kind of know that that's important, but, but how important is it to continually dedicate time uh, to not, not chasing down work, but searching out business? See, that's an interesting challenge. And as you may or may not be aware, in early 2000s, for seven years, I had my own custom AV company uh, up in Detroit. So seven years, great business. Love, love, absolutely love doing that. Um, so I know exactly what Todd's talking about here. And uh, as a small business owner, the challenge I always found myself in that I know a lot of people find yourselves in is you wear so many hats. And while you're out pounding the pavement, that's great until you get those jobs then you're writing quotes, then you're helping pull a cable, then you're doing trim out, then all of a sudden you're programming and trying to answer all the customer's needs, and then that job finishes up and, oh my gosh, I forgot to book more jobs for when this one's done. That's a, it's, a, it's an easy cycle to get lost and until you get enough of your own employees and your own sales team that you can trust, you begin handing some of that respons- those responsibilities off to so that you can go back to selling or get somebody else involved in selling if that's not your strong point. But I think that's really key that you always go back to that well and you're continually lining up work so that you never have that, that downtime. And it, and it very well may be that the business owner is the guy out selling or the lady out selling. But again, if that's not your strong point, then you got to hire somebody and they've got to be pounding the pavement. But somebody always needs to be doing it. 
uh, I know some of the, the places where I personally found the most success wasn't always in just those one-offs, but it was for me in creating re relationships with builders and with remodelers. Now the builders are great because they're probably building new homes, maybe one, maybe five a year, you don't know, but you get in a cycle with them where they're continually feeding you new homes, but mm -hmm. new homes, uh, you know, they, they run it in cycles. So you're not always going to be busy, right? Until, until the last minute when, when you can get back in. So in between all that, you got to have something else to do. And this is where I would always have uh, at least five remodelers who I would network with because they're always doing something. They're redoing a master bedroom. They're redoing a living room. They're putting an addition off the back of the house. They're finishing a basement. And inevitably there's always something, even if it's just hanging a flat panel display with a set of speakers in a master bedroom or over a fireplace. It's a great way to keep out there, to keep your trucks rolling, to keep your guys out doing something, to keep revenue flowing, to train new guys who are coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things. So yes, it's absolutely important. And I think Todd's right on in his story. You have to keep pounding the pavement. Jeremy, something that has stuck with me for a long time, and it's something that I do almost every week, uh, with the exception of weeks like this, where I just got back from a show. Um, and it actually came through a mutual friend of us, uh, ours through John Siaka. Um, one day we were, we were eating, having, having dinner at a show, and we got talking about business. And he said that he always dedicates one day a week where the only thing he does is try to foster new business. And I, I think that's something, you know, again, Ken hit on it, hit it right on the head. But how important is it that we don't miss these opportunities to schedule ourselves time to foster and, and, and be, be fishing in that well? Yeah, well, I, I think that's an, an excellent idea. Um, first of all, I, I, this article is really entertaining to read because it reminded me of one of the first things I read involving Todd, uh, and it was an interview, ironically enough, John Siaka did with him. And John kind of, we, we did an early piece with Todd, and then I kind of forgot about Todd, and then all of a sudden he's doing an article on his own personal blog with Todd about working with celebrities. And it was about specifically Hugh Jackman, who who had been in Wolverine, but wasn't as enormous as he is now, but he was still pretty big A-lister. And he knew where he lived in New York, and he literally stalked him <laughs> for, for weeks. He hung out to try to have that accidental meeting with him, like, mm -hmm. oh, I, did, I, I know you are, you know, and here's what I do, and give him a card. And it was similar to what he talks about in this article. And it was just this perseverance of getting this one big fish. Like he really, for some reason, had his eyes on, on he probably because he was the one big celebrity he might have found out he lived there. But I, I think from a, real, a more like down to earth practical standpoint, people that don't live in a celebrity place where, you know, you've got these big, big name guys. Um, I think digital marketing is really important. Like working with the one firefly or somebody like that who can sort of be the one fishing for those clients for you by coming up with, you know, email campaigns, if it if that's what it is, or working to optimize your website to be responsive. You got someone that actually finds your website and then you can actually, you can establish a, a live chat with them to, to you know, perhaps follow up on something, a question they have and become an advisor with them. It turns into a business. I know a guy that gets texts whenever someone's on their website for more than, let's say, three minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. He'll be the one, he's the owner, and he actually will respond. I was at a com conference with him, and he was texting someone saying, hey, can I help you look for something? And th those are br brilliant little tools that aren't, you know, 
pay, pounding the pavement, but they're following up on digital leads. Um, I've heard a lot of guys who don't join business networking groups in their community. You know, you might have like a remodeler in that. You may have a, a lawyer. You may have um, a medical professional, someone who could be doing commercial office renovation, who knows someone that's also doing that. And it is just a networking group, but there is only one of you in that group. Mm -hmm. There's only one of the, that type of professional in that group and they all trust each other and they refer to each other or refer business to each other when they need to. And uh, I think that in chamber of commerce things and other, um, you know, fundraiser type events where you can actually just become known as one of them, you know, these professionals in your community and the specific thing that you do that they probably know no one else who does it, you know, can turn into new business. I think all those are, are, are beneficial ways. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today, which is Jeremy's magazine. Um, <laughs> One Vision creates an RMR program for their manufacturer reps. Uh, essentially, if you don't know what One Vision resources do, they provide service platforms for dealers. Uh, but what they're doing here is something that I don't know if I've seen before. Uh, maybe you gentlemen can can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I have not seen this where essentially what uh, One Vision is doing is through their RMR service platform that dealers can take advantage of, they're now compensating reps who have sold this to their dealers and then their dealers are then utilizing. So not only is the dealer making RMR, but so is uh, the, 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 the tech rep who is helping that dealer and connecting that dealer with One Vision. Jeremy, I want to start with you on this. Uh, RMR is still that kind of holy grail within the industry. We still uh, haven't seemed to completely work out how to do this. Um, this is a new, a new push, which, which again, I, I personally have not seen before. But I know that there are a lot of integrators who have a very tight relationship with their, with their dealer rep. Um, maybe sometimes more than that manufacturer. Is this something that can potentially help RMR? Is this the missing piece that RMR for our industry is, has, has overlooked? Well, um, you know, credit to reps that are still out there pounding the pavement, doing the things that they have to do. This is a tough world for reps these days. Some companies don't believe in reps anymore, but I think for the, for those who still are using them, I think one vision has seen the value in having that kind of field representation there. Mm -hmm. um, I think for, for One Vision, they're seeing as brilliant as they are with their concept and there are competitors in that space, they're not the only ones doing this, there is a lack of awareness or maybe a lack of acceptance in this sort of way of handing off your triage level of customer service. You know, I, I think it's a, an amazing idea. I think it's any company of a certain size should be doing this. They should be handing off those initial calls of I need to basically you know Apple TV is out or whatever it is you need to reboot those can be out of your hair you deal with other things that are higher level issues but then one vision is like an outsourced service company for you but I, just, I, I still talk to dealers who don't know that they exist or that this option exists as a technology and it, it's stunning to me because there's so much editorial out there about this we've written about it you know, lots. We've had One Vision doing guest editorials for my old magazine. Um, there, there are there's nothing but education out there. But guys get nose to the grindstone work, and they're not reading things. You don't know. Reps can be those, the ones that kind of step in there and say, "Hey, not it's not all about this." You know, the new 
TVs and projectors and audio equipment, but there's a service opportunity. You guys really had to look at this. I, I think that they're, they, they're smart to, to, to invest in this and give them, you know, skin in the game as well um, as a rep to say, Hey, you're, you're going to get RMR for the first time. I'd never heard of this either. I think it's an amazing idea. Um, curious to ha see how it turns out, but um, I think it's just more, more people telling that story, you know, for them, frankly. Right. Very good. Ken, is, is this one of those things where we need like a national, some sort of national brand that sells RMR uh, again, not unlike one vision, um, but somebody who, who literally is just the RMR champion for the channel to finally get people on board that RMR is something that they have to look at. It uh, something like that wouldn't hurt. I mean, an education at a national level awareness that Germany had mentioned. I mean, you think about RMR, it's, it's not a new concept. I mean, back in the, in the nineties into early two thousands, this is what the security companies were doing. And, mm -hmm. and by, by 2005, at least we were talking about it in, in the AV world. And, and we've been trying ever since then to get dealers to do RMR. Some have done it, but it's been too little every year. Now, we, we're, we're shifting here, right? We're, we're talking about reps. Now, first off, I love what One Vision's doing. I love what they're doing for the dealer. I, too, think it's great. If I still had a dealership, I would look into it because I think it's a great way to hand off some of those lightweight calls and be able to provide more for your customers while still keeping uh, a sense of balance in your own business. So I right. like it. Now, the challenge I find with with this article and with what the one vision is trying to do right now is to motivate the reps. Now reps are one of those, those anomalies in, in, in the industry They either work really well or you have, you know, you have trouble finding the right one to really fit your brand. Uh, but either way, reps typically, typically um, service a region of about maybe 30% of the dealers in that region because they set up a great relationship with them. And, and I speak this way both from buying from reps and uh, having been worked for several manufacturers and hiring reps. Reps tend to service a couple of really strong accounts in that area. Uh, so they, they provide a high quality service to a finite number of customers. They don't have a huge volume of customers. And I think for them to take advantage of this re recurring revenue model, they probably need to have a larger volume of customers to really see the, the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that could be a challenge for them to jump on board. If, if I'm a rep and I'm thinking, yeah, I can really push this and go on, but if I've only got you know, 15 dealers who are really gonna jump on this, is that enough? You know, Maybe I need 75 to really, to, to really see the benefit of this model. So if they can find a way to still service their core group of customers while offering this RMR model to a larger customer base within their region, then I think they could find success with it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, we have to leave it there, unfortunately. Uh, Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, find out about the new magazine, subscribe to it, all that fun stuff, where can they do that? Well, definitely check us out. We're, uh, we're a new publication. We launched at Cedia, and uh, we've got a great, uh, I think, really high-end um, print quality on our print magazines, and we have a website at uh, restechtoday, so restechtoday.com, and you can subscribe there. There's a good deal going on. It's a paid subscription, which is unlike our industry, unless you're a Cedia member and you can get it for free for the year. Um, and, um, my, uh, unless you're in Canada, Matt, sorry. <laughs> uh, and, 
And so my, my Twitter address uh, changed, and it's at Glowaki underscore Jeremy. And uh, good luck with the spelling there. I won't bore you with all of the <laughs> little tiny details. Sorry. Follow me, and I follow Jeremy, and you'll find me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, very good. Ken, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for taking time to let us hang out in your booth this week. Uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Atlona and all of your products, including your new Dolby Vision uh, codec upgrade, where can people do that? Uh, you can reach me at ken.eagle at atlona.com, but also check out us out on the web at atlona.com. And don't forget to click on the training tab. Go to Atlona Academy. If you're not already taking advantage of the free courses through Atlona Academy, you need to jump out today and do that. We have over 10,000 people in the AV industry globally going through the Atlona training program. So I'm telling you, you'll love these. These are all certified classes. If you can't get in to go through the courses, at least jump out to our YouTube channel and check out all the free videos out there. We get tons of great videos. They, go, they launch every week. Excellent. Thanks again for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 